Hey there, story fiends, and welcome back to the podcast that truly believes there are stories everywhere. This is Their Stories Everywhere with Elidria Hurt. For those of you who are returning, welcome back. For those of you just joining us, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. This week, we are continuing our spooky season four-part miniseries on 13, my horror novel that came out in 2021. If you want to read ahead, head to www.aledriahurt.com books to get a copy of 13 and see how it ends. As always, before we dive into the meat of the episode, let's do a quick life update. For those of you who don't follow my Instagram, why don't you? For shame. You may not know that I've decided to regress back to high school and the years of the goth. So I ordered some brand new pieces of clothing, which are pretty awesome. I'll take some serious pictures and post them to Instagram at some point. Overall, though, I'm really happy with what I bought and how it came in. That being said, I bought everything from a store called Rose Gal, which specializes in plus-size clothing. I'm a fan, y'all. I've already put in another order for some shirts and even a sweater, because even in Savannah... It does get cold occasionally. I'm continuing to read Jim Quick's book, Limitless, which if you haven't picked it up, please do so. It's a good read. I'm working my way through it slowly and observing as much as possible. So far, my favorites are the acronyms L-I-E-N-B-S. B-S means belief system, and L-I-E means limited idea entertained. They go together because sometimes an L-I-E helps to make up your B-S. As for writing, I'm 70k into Queen of the Seaborn Castle, and that means I have a little less than 5k in order to wrap up this story if I'm going to make my 75k deadline. It also means I'm ahead of schedule to finish it before the end of the month. If you're interested in reading the first draft of the story, feel free to follow me on twitch.tv. I'm usually streaming at least one writing session a day under my handle, Noir Lady Luck. If you want to read the complete first draft after I finish it, drop me a line at my email, aledria at aledriahurt.com, in order to get into the beta reader's queue. That all said, it's time to get into the meat of the episode. Let's continue with 13. 13. Continued. Andrew dragged her further into the alley and away from the street. They were out of sight of the street lamps and soon behind a dumpster. Carrie's limbs felt heavy as her consciousness slipped back and forth like pulled silk. She slid down the wall, her bag pooling at her side. She reached inside it again. Her hand connected with the needle and she fisted it. Andrew's mind was elsewhere. Despite the desperate chill, he was working his pants loose. Shit. She pulled the needle out while he was distracted. Heaven, how was she going to get it into him when she couldn't stand up and could barely see? How effing long does this stuff take to work? Andrew's voice seemed far away, but Carrie focused on it hard. She had to stay awake. When he came down to her level, she clumsily flicked the cap off the needle. It rolled away under the dumpster. Damn it. She would have to retrieve it. 
foggy brain working overtime, she moved to put her arms around him, concealing most of the needle in her fists. If he saw it, the jig was up. If he didn't, she still had a shot. Oh, man, he murmured as she laced her hands behind his head. That's right, you're into it. He couldn't get himself seated in her crotch. Damn. Carrie stabbed him with the needle in the back of the neck and pressed the plunger. Oh, fuck, he lurched backwards and rolled off her onto the concrete. Carrie sat up, weaving as she did, her hand going back into her bag for the knife. She didn't think the needle held enough poison to kill him outright. She couldn't be sure. Poison was so much about dosages, and she had no idea who or what she would be dealing with. The knife came out as Andrew pulled himself together. He moved with the slowness of a horror movie mummy trying to get himself up. Carrie bobbed and weaved, her body barely obeying her commands, knees locking up every few seconds as she moved. Shaking her head, she tried to clear the cobwebs. He had to die. It had to happen now, before someone happened along. It needed to be quick. If she went for the arteries, which would cause him to bleed out quickly, there would be a lot of blood. If she went for the heart, there would be less, but there was a chance he could survive. Her blade wasn't long enough to ensure a good heart shot. The leather holster dropped to the ground at her feet. She would have to retrieve that, too. He stumbled backward, bringing his hands up to defend himself as he landed against the far wall. Stop, he said. He must have seen the knife. He must have known death came on swift wings. Please, I wouldn't have hurt you. Carrie drew in close, her right hand full of the hilt. There would be blood everywhere. She wouldn't be able to avoid getting it on her. She thought this through as thoroughly as she should have. She hadn't. The knife went into his throat, cutting off his next words and his voice box held it with cartilage. She had to yank it free as, she, as he struggled, trying to push her back away, as if that would save his life. Blood dripped from the end of the blade, and he tried to hold his throat together as she went at him again, this time with a cry of frustration. This was not going as planned. Hey! came a voice from the entrance to the alleyway. Andrew tried to scream. A defiant gurgle came out. Carrie stumbled backwards and hit the bricks again, her vision almost black. She slid down the wall, winking slower and slower. Shit, where was the needle? A hand grabbed her by the arm and shook her. Hey, you okay? Carrie blacked out. Before she opened her eyes, she heard the buzzing of lights. Opening her eyes, she blinked at the bright whiteness around her. She laid in a bed with someone sitting beside her. She turned her head. Everything felt gauzy and slow motion as underwater. Tyson sat in the chair next to her hospital bed. What happened? Her voice came out at a whisper. Tyson started as if he had been asleep and leaned over to her. For a long moment, he didn't say anything. He just leaned in close with his head almost against hers. She repeated her question. I don't know. I just got the call that you had been carried to the hospital. I dropped the rest of my shift. 
I'm sorry, Ty. Don't be. It's not important. I need to know what happened. Carrie said, I, uh... The cops want to talk to you. Cops? Of course, the police wanted to talk to her. She was found in an alleyway with a dying man. There would be questions. Of course there would be questions. What was she going to tell them? She remembered vaguely what she had told Ashley and Tracy about Andrew. That would have to be part of it. The attack itself was muzzy in her mind. Yeah. Tyson pressed a kiss to her forehead and got up to go out of the room. She awake, she heard him say from the doorway. She let herself settle further back on the mattress as if she were going to fall asleep again. Any minute. Good morning, a voice greeted her from the doorway. Carrie didn't expect to recognize it since it was probably a big city cop, not one of the deputies from her small town. She wasn't disappointed. I'm Detective Masoni. I need to talk to you about what happened last night. I really don't remember a lot. That's okay, he said. His manner said calm and non-threatening, but Carrie kept her guard up. I just need you to tell me what you can remember. Okay, Carrie said, closing her eyes. I went to this new bar named Capri in downtown with a couple of my co-workers. She slowed down as if trying to put the pieces together. I ran into a guy I thought I knew named Andrew. We chatted. He offered to drive me home. All right. Do you remember what happened after that? I accepted his offer. We sat in the bar for a while, talking. Then when we left, she trailed off, furrowing her brow. I don't know. I left the bar with him. We were walking to his car. Is that the last thing you remember? We were walking to his car. Carrie stopped and shook her head. It's a blank after that. I woke up here. Missoni made a few notes on a notepad he extracted from his breast pocket. You say you thought you knew him? He seemed familiar and the name sounded familiar and so, yeah, I thought I knew him. Where did you know him from? Carrie blinked. Uh, I don't know. Around? So you stayed at a bar with a guy you thought you knew, but things didn't turn out the way you expected. Is that right? I guess. Okay. That word was beginning to grate on her nerves. She pressed her hands over her eyes, the plastic of her wristband rubbing against her face. Tell me, is it your habit to accept rides from strangers? I told you. I thought I knew him. I understand that, Masoni said. I understand. It was all a misunderstanding. So what happened? Carrie asked. The police are here asking questions. Something had to have happened. It appears you were drugged. You fought off Andrew, who attacked you by stabbing him in the throat. Is it common for you to carry a knife in your purse? I work in the city. I need some protection. Why not a gun? They scare me. 
Uh-huh. Well, you stabbed him in the throat after he attempted to take liberties with you, but a passerby noticed something amiss and got there just in time to see you stab your assailant in the throat before you blacked out. I don't remember any of that. Given what he most likely gave you, you won't. The drug has deleterious effects on the memory. Masoni blew a breath through his nose. There's a small problem, though. Carrie waited without a word for him to continue. There had to be something else. You see, the man had his hands up to defend himself when you stabbed him. He was no longer a threat to you. What are you saying? Well, truthfully, I'm not sure. I haven't filed a report yet since I've just talked to you. Carrie shook her head. He attacked me, and now you're going to charge me with something? I'm not saying that. It's just a little suspicious. A woman carrying a large hunting knife in her purse. An attacker who was apparently pleading for his life. It raises questions. I would like you to leave. I'm sure you can clear this right up. There isn't anything to clear up. I defended myself, according to you. He attacked me. I defended myself. Over and done. Tyson knocked on the edge of the door to alert them he had come back. Give us one more minute, Masoni said. When Tyson retreated into the hall, he continued, I don't know what happened. All I have is you, who are suffering the effects of a drug, and the dead body of a man who might not have been attacking you at all. I'm not certain of what is going on, but you can guarantee... I'm getting to the bottom of it. Can you go now? Carrie asked. I would rather spend time with my fiancé. That's interesting. Where's your ring? Carrie knew exactly where her ring was, hidden in her purse. She didn't want it getting in the way of her, of her hunting. It's in my purse. So you went out without wearing it but kept it in your purse? Scared someone might steal it? What difference does it make? Tyson knocked on the door again. I'll see myself out, Detective Masoni said. We'll talk again. There's nothing to talk about, Carrie said. He attacked me. I defended myself. You killed a man. If I did, I had reason. She turned her head to look out the window. The sunshine promised a beautiful if chilly day in November. Masoni left the room and Tyson came back to sit down next to her. Did he know what happened? Tyson asked. Apparently someone attacked me last night. I don't remember because he drugged me. Tears sparked at the edges of her eyes. She needed them. He's dead. Who is? Tyson's question came out tense. My attacker. I stabbed him in the throat, according to the detective. That shouldn't have killed him. People get tracheotomies all the time. I don't know, Ty. I just don't remember what happened. It's all a blank, so I don't know what happened. He wrapped her in a hug as she cried. It's going to be okay. His assurance sounded sweet to her. He would never disbelieve her. 
He would always be on her side. You don't have to worry about it. Whatever happened, you don't have to worry about it. He rubbed her back. It's going to be okay. Carrie relaxed into his arms despite the awkward position. The scent of him put her at ease. They would get through this together. Plus, she had succeeded. One more down. Eleven to go. Eleven to go. Two predators going at one another. Of course, Carrie was going to win. There wouldn't be much of a story if she hadn't. Now with one more down, she only has to work up the courage and the plan to kill a few more. There you have it, Story Fiends. Part three of the four-part miniseries on 13. Next week, we'll complete the miniseries, and I'm still toying with the idea of a Halloween bonus episode. Let me know if you're interested by dropping me a line at aledria at aledriahurt.com or using one of my social links.